Hey, Kyle, thanks for being here today. Absolutely. All right, so for those who, for some reason, might be unfamiliar with who you are. If you're living under you, a rock, right? If you're yeah, right. Needle. So would you fill us in a little bit on yeah. your story? For sure, for sure, for sure. So uh, my name is Kyle Ramage. I'm one of the owners here at Black and White Coffee Roasters here in Raleigh, North Carolina. Uh, I am the 2017 United States Barista Champion and the 2017 World's World Barista Championship finalist in Seoul, South Korea. Uh, we've been doing Lim and I, my business partner, was the 2016 United States Barista Champion and then also a finalist at the 2016 World Barista Championship in Dublin, Ireland. And we started Black and White in, on August 9th. I, I got that date corrected by someone <laughs> the other day. August 9th, uh, 2018? The same year that I won. 2017? 2017. So I guess yeah. we're coming up on four years. Like yeah, I was just going to say you were in April of 2017 was your U.S. win. Yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely. Okay. So, um, so yeah, that's kind of what we do. We just kind of... Black and white coffee roasters is our thing. All right. Well, I know both you and Lim through, I I was a competition uh, fan for <laughs> quite a few years. And, yeah. and then I started to do Brewer's Cup and to hang around a bit more. And the two of you were always super generous with your, your time and your advice uh, backstage and uh, just all around the events. You, you were both always making yourself super available. Uh, and so I thank you for that. Yeah, so um, it's kind of part of our thing. It's kind of part of our ethic that we believe that in particular, the competitions are super valuable for what they've done for us, for Lim and I in particular, but also what they can teach you about yourself and teach you about coffee and teach you to how to drive and dig really, really deep uh, and, and find innovation where it's kind of um, maybe lacking in, in one's career. So it's a we, we really value British competition and we want to uh, pay that forward with our time and with our uh, availability for sure. Thank you for doing yeah. that. It means a lot. Yeah. Oh, totally. Uh, what, so you, I know you were working with Malconig mm -hmm. before you started black and white. Uh, oh, did you have, what, what, what was your first coffee job? Oh, I mean, I worked at like a mom and pop shop in high school, but that doesn't really count. Mm. It was not, not specialty at all. Like flavored coffee, the whole thing. Oh, nice. Um, I've always kind of consumed coffee as a, as a customer, you know, lots of Starbucks and, you know, whatever. But um, first specialty coffee job was here in Raleigh uh, as a Jubala Coffee uh, here, like here in Raleigh. They are, uh, they have like two stores now and they are going to open a third and start roasting pretty soon, which is pretty cool. Mm -hmm. um, we actually are, they're kind of interim roaster, but while they're kind of learning how to roast, kind of teaching them how to roast as well. So again, trying to pay it forward and to, not be gatekeepers, but to be uh, gate openers for people to, uh, to make the industry better. Kind of, wow, kind of high cool. tide, high tide, all boats kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think we, uh, we believe in that here too. It's kind of like, yeah, I think my, specifically with my perspective on roasting, I felt like for me, there was like a, it was hard where I was at when I started in coffee to get anybody who wanted to talk to me about roasting. Right. And, uh, and I feel like, it's the same with like if you if you look at like cooking anything like mm -hmm. baking a making a croissant it's like mm -hmm. you can find any anybody who makes you know the best croissant that you've ever had would be more than willing to to tell you how to do it it's just a matter of do you want to if you want to go through all the work to do it yourself then right you know you, I don't want to I don't want to prevent anyone from doing that so that's great that you uh, that you have that generous perspective on uh, sharing information sharing uh, you know, just your perspectives. And so how, how is, uh, how uh, starting a new roasting business, you know, you say you're about a little over three years. Is that right? Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. A little over yeah. three years. Um, into yeah, it's it. almost four, like three and a half ish right now. Well, what, uh, what, what is your green coffee buying, uh, look like, like how, what are you, are you buying primarily, uh, through importers or do you have relationships directly with producers? You know, what's, what's the structure like? Yeah. I feel like it's similar to a lot of, uh, a lot of people. We are kind of a mixed bag, so to speak, especially a growing company like we are, it, it, we kind of have to be a mixed bag at the moment, but um, we work uh, as far as volume goes, mostly with, with importers. So like, like Tim, so Tim at Atlantic, who was my great friend from counterculture was kind of a, a very integral part in my competition for USBC and for WBC. Um, back when he was with counterculture, which is who I used 
uh, whose coffee I used when I competed uh, in the USBC, and then I roasted some of my own coffee for Worlds, but that's a, another story for another day. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe today, we'll see. Yeah, um, we'll but, um, but yeah, so we work with him quite a lot for like a lot of our uh, larger volume stuff, like a lot of our contracts for Ethiopia in particular. And I mean, as you're aware, like every country has a slightly different take on how close you can actually get to a producer kind of through the co-op system or through, um, I mean, Ethiopia makes it quite difficult to get to a single person. Um, and a lot of times those single persons are not necessarily, not that they're bad people, but they're not necessarily the people that we want to work with. Does that make sense? Cause they're like, totally. have, a really big, have a really big operation or are quite wealthy or, or whatever else. Uh, that being said, in Ethiopia, we also work directly with Geisha Village. So we've just worked with them directly since the very beginning. Um, we just kind of happened to follow into some of Adam's uh, Geisha Village coffees, and we've continued the relationship uh, going forward. But, I mean, they are an outlier uh, in, in the world of Ethiopian coffee production, as in that they have a large estate that they manage themselves. Um, you know. But and we still you know, rely on importers to bring those coffees to us, right? So, like, uh, right. Uh, I think um, Traboka moves that coffee for us. And then we use Olam quite a lot to move coffee out of, uh, out of uh, Colombia and out of Honduras as well. So it's like we have some that we work directly with and some that we don't. Uh, a lot more direct in Colombia at the moment, uh, just because like the language barrier is a lot, lot more simple. Uh, right. And, it's, and their, their access to technology is quite high. So, you know, WhatsApp, Facebook, you know, whatever. We'll use however to talk to somebody as long as they'll talk back. So, mm-hmm. I mean, we've made multiple sales contracts, quote unquote, sales deals through like, you know, Instagram, WhatsApp, Facebook Marketplace, not Facebook Marketplace, Facebook Messenger, stuff like that, which is just quirky how the world's working right now with that. But it's it really been, is. It's been really great, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, in the time that I've been going to Latin America, the technology has just, I mean, I, the only way I used to be able to call between the states and I, I was going to Honduras for a while if you you could call on you you could turn on your cell phone and call but they would charge you like crazy yeah I think it was like $25 a minute or something like that at one point and uh yeah now and, then, and so we'd use internet cafes which mm, yeah that yeah. felt even then it felt like a little bit of a different time and yeah now it's so simple uh and yeah just having like say whatsapp facebook we use the same uh, methods to communicate with our uh, our producing partners. Um, it's really that was sort of one of the questions that we we wanted to talk about was how uh, technology has improved your your ability to maintain like you know transparent communication down right. the supply chain. And and I feel like yeah, WhatsApp alone is is a game changer. You know, we with, with with the exporters we work with in Ethiopia, they're it's like I, anytime I send them a message, they're they're back to us. Well, sometimes it might take three days, but that's yeah. not that's not yeah, technology's they're fault. It's yeah. they're working hard, yeah. yeah. Um, but place. totally, yeah. I think that that I that thing about how for small businesses, specifically the like Ethiopia is a great example. Um, yeah, the from what I've experienced so far in in the the relationships that we formed is most of the farmers that. Uh, that grow the coffee that we end up buying are growing very, very small amounts of it to the point that right. you know, it's it, right. It's like a, for instance, this uh, Chal- yeah. yeah, in these areas of Guji, Yergachefe, it's you know thousands of farmers all contributing into uh, a very well organized mill, and so yeah, the if we were to buy one farmer's lot, it would be such a small amount of coffee. Even if we paid them a huge boost, it might not be something that could be a feasible, you know, sole income provider for, for that, that household. So it's, oh, it's yeah, like, really not. Yeah, absolutely. Ethiopia and Ethiopia, it's, it's, it's kind of like a, just kind of a part of the ecosystem it's in a strange way. They do this and they do other things and you know, whatever else is just kind of one of the things that they have going on, which is pretty mm-hmm. interesting. We're like, in, yeah, you know, so- we see that central South America, a like, coffee farmer, that's kind of, and we think that's all they do as well because that's all we kind of publicize that they do. But they're often also doing all kind of random things, fruit mm-hmm. and honey and other crops and cattle or whatever, you know. So it's kind of, it's, um, yeah, the kind of, it's tough because we come from the West, right? And we think about things very linearly. 
like mm-hmm. very like one plus one equals two, right? And in, in, in most of the rest of the world, they just don't think quite that way. They don't, they don't process information in quite a Western concept where it's kind of a little bit more of a mixed bag, a little bit more of a kind of uh, like an like a integration into this kind of agricultural concept, uh, mm-hmm. which we, we struggle to understand. I, at least I do. Nat- naturally, I don't understand it until I'm shown it. So, Totally. Yeah. And it's been very inspiring to me, but also, yeah, it's a bit daunting to try to figure out how to make a positive impact when, right. yeah, there, there is a lot of moving parts and yeah, even and the nuanced, most, yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's, it's super nuanced. Um, so, uh, and so I know we work with, uh, like in Honduras, I've seen you also work with, uh, San Vicente with Ben Yeah. Paz. yeah. Talking in great friend. Oh yeah. We're, we're, ready to see some samples from him hopefully before too long um Ooh, yeah, really. too, huh? heck yeah, oh. yeah. <laughs> okay okay well he'll hear about that for right. us after <laughs> this call i'm gonna have to call mincho to see what's up let's, let's absolutely see. what's right, going on so, yeah we have kevin on the ground working for us too so kevin from from saint frank uh helps uh, us yes. out oh, beautiful yeah with the point of interest stuff as well as like uh, you know, he's just a direct line to Ben. I mean, so it's just kind of one of those things. Yes. He, he just happened it, to be here and, and tasting it's a small, co- especially coffee is such a small web. So you're working with Harris Nash too, as well. Oh yeah. Harris is great, dude. We, uh, we have like our, are like kind of from a generally the same area in the world. So like I'm from like the, the great state of Mississippi and he's from Alabama and we kind mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. miserated over the deep South roots and, uh, oh yes. Yeah, we we're wow. from the deepest of the depths of the South, both of us. Oh yeah, I'm from well, we're both from uh, I'm from Orlando, Florida, and you're from yeah. Pensacola. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ooh, yeah, Pensacola. That's an interesting oh, spot yeah. there. South <laughs> yes, Georgia. Yes, it is. South Georgia. <laughs> yeah. South Georgia, South Alabama. Oh uh, yeah, that's true because it's really close to Mobile and all that stuff as well. It's not very. It cool. is. Yeah, it's the prettiest and the ugliest parts of all the cultures thrown into one. Yes. It is really it's nice beach. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful beaches. That's it. Oh yeah, that's <laughs> it. <laughs> Love you, Pensacola. Uh, well, so we're, we're we're back on the these relationships, and you know, we were touching on the the complexities. Oh, how yeah. each individual place that you're working with, farmers have different needs. Uh, there is still this, like for us, you know, even in spite of that, we see this overarching need we, we have a big desire to always still be trying to make a continually positive impact on the people we work with right so we're we're kind of always looking for you know different perspectives on you know from from each of our own places in the industry where might we be able to make a more positive impact so like one of those questions that, that we like to ask everybody is uh how should and should quality be tied to a living wage Hmm. Uh, no. And that's hard, right? That's a tough question. Mm-hmm. That is. Yeah. Right. Cause like we, again, are, are Western. So we think quite linearly, like, you know, if it's better, I'll pay more. Um, but tied to it. And that's in that, and that we're kind of wrapping ourselves up in, in usages of words. Right. So what does living wage mean? in every place mm-hmm. uh and, mm-hmm. that, and that that becomes very difficult to especially as us uh uh people uh or particularly me this a caucasian male in uh in north carolina how do i how do i analyze what is a fair and living wage in another place with people who have a totally different culture than my own and mm-hmm. i have no idea um so yeah we it's challenging right i don't i don't think living i don't think I think what people do for a living should sustain them. And so uh, being uh, functionally being robbers uh, of, of indigenous lands is, is, is a very easy thing to be a part of if you are, you know, if you are attempting to race to the bottom at getting the cheapest coffee possible, you can 100% be a part of the problem and definitely not part of the solution. Um, so I say all that to say, uh, no, I don't think it should be, uh, I don't think quality should be the only marker for a living wage. No. 
And I don't, yeah. I don't hope that's answered that question. Yeah. Do, yeah. yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It, no, totally. Yeah. I, do, do you think that there is any, any place within that living wage negotiation or, I mean, I guess it's so weird to talk about it. Being oh, a I hear you. Yeah. 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 I, I think, I, I think I see more what you're saying. Um, yeah, of course. I mean, so when you look at market well, around the, world, the answer, the, the answer you gave previously is totally along the lines of, you know, if we're, we're not trying to lead you to get any answer by the way, but like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We don't know the answer. We're still kind of like, I mean, we have our own, uh, we've arrived to some sort of conclusion, but not, it's, it's, it's so complex. So we can't yeah. just like, right. yeah, we can't splice it and dice it and expect every yeah. single time to get their same result. But yeah, it's not black and white. Sadly, it's, it's kind of in the middle somewhere. Yeah. Pun intended. <laughs> yeah. Or no. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but like the markets themselves kind of inflate along the lines of living wage too, which is interesting. Do they do it perfectly? Absolutely not. But like, say for like Panama, right? I think this is the most clear and obvious example of what uh, quality and living wage, how they are, they're kind of correlated, but definitely not like causal in, in, in relationship. Because like what we will pay for a 86-point coffee from Panama and what we will pay for an 86-point coffee from, uh, from Colombia are two different things because the cost of living in Panama and the, their function, functional using, usage of the American dollar really makes things very difficult. Uh, however, if you, again, again, the race to the bottom is still true everywhere. So mm -hmm. we're just also not, not in that rat race, the race to the bottom concept. We're not trying to get the cheapest prices we can possibly get on coffees. Um, because I have been a consultant for some people who are doing that. And I felt pretty dirty after I left picking the best of best lot and they were buying it for, you know, 30 cents above C. And wow. I did not feel, I didn't feel good after that situation. Uh, I'll yeah. leave whoever I was doing that for out, but it was just, it didn't feel good to me uh, at all. Like when I'm, mm -hmm. when I'm, when I'm going to negotiate copies that are $4 above C and you're going to, to pay 35 cents above C, we're, we're just playing different games. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like that's the, sort of where we, where we continually go to is it just has to be continually, continually you know, yes. kept into it. It's, we're just playing different games that the, the C market, that commodity price and, and whatever people, you know, you know, whatever other prices out there that people see uh, for coffee, it just, for, for us, it's like it, it continually can't be correlated. Like if we're if, sure there is coffee for a dollar twenty a pound, but it's just not this coffee. No. You know, it's not coffee that I want to have anything to do with. Right. Yeah, we, we have to draw that that really hard line in the sand. And it's tough, too, because, I mean, Brazil kind of sets those, those prices, and they have mechanization mm -hmm. that's totally different than what we have, than what's available in Colombia. Uh, in particular, I, I go to Colombia because we, we buy so much coffee from there, um, in Ethiopia as well. Um, but it's tough to have, have one market. The, the, I mean, uh, Brazil set the, set the, functionally set the prices for the rest of the world, where they have, they have, they have a different scale of doing things. They have a different system in place. So it's, it's a really challenging uh, thing. We also don't work in Brazil with any volume. So. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. We, not, we not don't necessarily either for the mechanization point. reason, but just for the flavor profile reason, to be very honest. Yeah. Yeah. We're always looking for some, from, we're always interested in coffee from Brazil that might have some, uh, some more, yeah, I don't want to say interesting flavors, but I guess yeah, the flavor of that like ultra mechanized process is just—it's a very homogenous, yep, consistently decent cup. But but then yeah, you have people like Zatera who are doing crazy, crazy cool things with mm -hmm. varieties and employing um, agronomists and geneticists and all this crazy stuff where they're doing some super, super fun processing stuff. We just, they also have isolated multiple varieties that are their own, which is crazy. They're doing some, they're doing, they're playing a different game too, which is really, really cool. Mm -hmm. um, and they're not as concerned with this like mass market stuff either. They're more concerned with doing interesting dynamic and complex copies as well, which it's tough. I mean, black and white metric are in the same area. We're searching for the best of the best of the best. And we can, we can chase cup score all day. Uh, but I think the, the point of this conversation is is to talk more about like what is it, what do we do with the rest of our coffee and how do we, how, what is the rest of our, because like those micro lots, those like, you know, they were paying $25, $30 a pound for or whatever. That's like 25 kilos, maybe, maybe right. 100, maybe 200 max, right? So that's nothing for these producers that make, that may make one dude's day, you know, or mm -hmm. month or whatever. But like, 
at the end of it all, like these coffees that we use for like our espressos and for our year round offerings are what's really uh, the, the drivers of the, of the economies in these places. Right. So when we can pay, you know, when you're paying three, three fifty FOB, four fifty FOB for these coffees, uh, you can really start working towards a place where they can, ha- these people can have a real living. Um, th- does their living look very different than ours? Yes. Absolutely. Do you, should you feel bad when you go there and experience that? Probably. Um, but yeah. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it, I've had such the, the, the few experiences that I've gotten to have at coffee farms have been so varied this oh, yeah. far. And I was just thinking about some of the people that I was visiting with in Costa Rica last year. And there's like, uh, really nothing. I, I can't give you any negative to this family's lifestyle. Like they oh, yeah. were, what you were talking about with that sort of like how it's not just a, a linear, like we, we, do this job and make this money. It was kind of like the, just like the, the way that they had structured their community where their food was coming from was, was so varied and diverse and just like interesting compared to like, there's just like no grocery stores and okay. they were eating amazing food all the time. And it was kind of yeah. like the meat they ate came from a farm down the Valley and most of the vegetables they grew on their farm worked out with yeah. the coffee. And it's like, wow, this is, this is actually an, an amazing life that I kind of wish I could live and we get to fund it by buying their coffee. And so that kind of stuff does exist out there, but there is still, I think the vast majority of the farmers we work with, there's just an abundance of needs still at the end of the day. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I want to chime in for a second here. Cause I, I really like what you have to say, Kyle. And uh, it, it's, it's reminding me of uh, a coffee we're buying from Azahar um it's uh it's called recolectores and we work with a producer called nelson chavez who actually we used his uh data from 2018 to 2020 cost of production and we uh, created like a, an analysis for uh, profitability for each year and, and according to yield and um so that that is what we published in the magazine but um nelson and uh other members of his family along with neighbors all participate in a project called Recolectores, which is the Pickers project. And what I love about that coffee, uh, other than the profile, is the fact that, um, so as, as you know, there's a blend price and there's a micro price. And what Azar has done, they're able to um, pay pretty much right up and uh, like almost micro pricing for a blend. And what they're compelling all the members and recollectores to do is to ensure that they're paying the pickers um, a better wage. So um, coffees that they would otherwise be selling for less money, they no longer have to because they're just pulling them into uh, like a neighbor's blend or regional mm-hmm. um, blend. And um, what's really exciting for us is that we're, as we're growing with them in that community, we're, we're seeing our numbers increase um, so it's it's a really exciting project, and so uh, because of that, we were able to take some of those ideas uh, and work with Benjamin, which we we work with a couple of uh, smallholders in uh, um, in Cedra and and all around Santa Barbara. And so we can't buy all of their coffees for microlots, but what we can mm. do is try to, um, you know, again take whatever we're buying as a micro and pay. Uh, what Benjamin tells us is a good price. And then whatever whatever else we end up pulling together into creating a blend, yeah. uh, Santa Barbara blend, if you will. So, uh, yeah. and what we've learned is that, that that has been really helpful and really effective. And we're a small company, so we can't really, you know, do that everywhere. But I think right. about like the impact that all of us can make if we can have those sort of relationships. It's, you know, we're buying, like you said, maybe 30 kilos or 50 of this really nice coffee, but the producer is able to produce a hell of a lot more coffee. How, how do we find a way to to really include all of that to add value? So right. that's 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 what we constantly have to ask ourselves, and that's the journey we're always on. Right. So you know, just a little yeah, it's tough. little interjection there. I wanted to mention, but yeah, yeah, competition coffees aren't what pays the bills. And competition coffees are what people talk about. They're not what yeah, pays totally. for most people. For most coffee roasters as well. Like 
that's not what's that's not what's making it work for us. It's not you know yeah. our black label releases aren't what's making the money for us. You know we're not mm-hmm. we're only you know, like three hundred five hundred uh, you know little hundred gram bags of geisha. That's not what keeps the the lights on. You know so yeah yeah, uh, yeah. yeah it can keep it can help to keep everybody interested a little I guess and it's yeah. fun. Yeah, it's super there's, fun. There's a value Blast. to fun. Blast. Yeah. What is what's possible in coffee? That's what I want to shake up in people's minds. Is that, I think that is, that's going to be kind of we're looking a little bit farther forward to what we're talking about right now. I think that's going to be the way that we can transition the market within the United States to think about coffee in a totally different way. So I've been, been very privileged to be able to travel around the, around the world and taste coffees in other countries that are done in a very, very different way. And the prices that you pay for those coffees are significantly higher than you would pay in the United States and not uncommon. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. So like what's happening, uh, you know, in China, what's happening in Japan, what's happening in Taiwan, what's happening all over Europe now is you have like ultra premium coffee becoming a very popular thing, especially in Asia. Asia was, kind of, I feel like they're kind of the driver of this concept. Uh, and I was very inspired by these, these cafes and these roasteries who are purchasing coffee that is exorbitantly priced. Right. I mean, we, people think we're crazy, like for buying, you know, 50, $60 a pound coffee, uh, I mean, they'll two thousand, three thousand dollars a pound coffee. They're no problem, no sweat. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, Mariama Coffee in Japan is notorious for bidding up every one of these auctions. And but what they're doing is so amazing because they're like helping people think about coffee in a totally different way. Mm-hmm. And I think if we really want to get to farmers having a living wage, like a true, truthfully living wage, a thriving wage. Uh, baristas having a being a being a career that is sustainable for more than a few years, you know, um, all this uh, all this stuff. I think we have to really transform what people how people think about coffee, um, and think about think about it less as like a commodity and more about as an experience. So that's what we're really aiming for with this black label concept. That's where we've committed to doing twelve distinct black label releases, so competition level coffee releases next year. Um, and it's terrifying because we want six. Yeah, that that is. It's awesome. Village, six lots of experimental coffee from Geisha Village just to share and like really. But just these coffee, we don't really make money on these coffee. We, we don't lose money, but we don't make money at all. Right, yeah, yeah, just yeah. kind of break yeah. even. Yeah, kind yeah, of break yeah. even concept just to show people what's possible and to kind of get the mind excited around like, oh, okay, coffee's not just like it's like kind of bitter, liquidy stuff, or it's not just flowers or whatever. It can be all kinds of crazy flavors that we haven't experienced yet. Um, but yeah, that's like a little bit soapboxy, but, um, that's kind of, I love that perspective. And that's something that we actually don't, uh, we aren't hearing that too much. I haven't been hearing it too much in my circles lately, but it is something that we need to continually think about because I I have just been sort of head down focused on this, like the minimum price, right? you know, and it's like that, that does that, that, that problem is, is huge. And just as we said, like that. The, the, those, uh, the, the super expensive special coffees don't pay the bills, but it is still work. Like our participation in that market helps to continually, you know, bring new value to these farms that right. they can, you know, yeah, like, and, even and like that, single variety selections, like starting, starting from there too. Like we've worked quite a lot with Azahar with pink Bourbon. Mm-hmm. They kind of know that we, we deal pretty heavily in pink Bourbon just because we like the way it tastes. And, uh, mm-hmm. and just like let, letting people see that, oh, okay, this is a person's name. This is a person who is, who's creating this and they've done it with great intention to select one specific variety, uh, from their farm or from the, you know, whatever, and, and do something neat with it and, and let that be more expensive. It just kind of, kind of stair steps the whole thing. And, and there's like, you know, like everything, there's layers to this thing that we're working on. And I think we're doing the same thing maybe with a slightly different focus on different layers. Not that we're not focused on paying fair prices for coffee at all. Mm-hmm. Um, this has just been my focus over the last uh, year and a half or so, just thinking, thinking hard about uh, changing the market's perception of, of what quality coffee is and what it's worth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I love the specialty coffee continually. It's, it's like there is room, there's room to diversify and like mm-hmm. we can all have this collective you know, mission that we're working on that, that has a whole lot of different parts to it. Right. Um, yeah. But what, like $8 a pound coffee at, you know, whole foods or whatever is not doing it. No, that's no. Not, yeah. It's not what's making this thing work. 
No, it's not. Yeah, it helps keep our lights on sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh yeah, we don't do that low, but Whole Foods did help us out a lot last year. So we 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 got to be somewhat grateful to that. Yeah, actually, you know that that brings up a question, and this is not on the on our sort of list of questions. But how was how uh, how did you guys manage through the pandemic year? Like, what was that like? Yeah, man, um, it was pretty scary at first, you know, um, and just just under a year ago now, or just over a year ago now. Yeah, um, it was pretty wild. Um, our cafes, you know, functionally went down to to zero to losing money to negatives. You know, we were trying to still pay baristas and stay, pay staff and lose a buttload of money. Uh, but you know, that was our that was the ethic that we wanted to go into it with is trying to keep the lives of our staff. Uh, sustained trying to keep them in, in working um and um you know while allowing those to leave and to to pursue unemployment as they so desired that's you know that whatever works for you works for you kind of thing but uh thankfully man I, I was having this conversation with my sister last night actually she's in town and like she's like what made this work and i'm like oh, to be honest with you i don't really know uh, we yes. just happen to be uh popular right now and i appreciate that i'm going to use it for everything it's worth uh at this moment but um but yeah um yeah we did okay well mostly through retail online sales i think that's a very common trend throughout mm-hmm. um it seems to be feast or famine uh in in specialty like you either did really yeah. well and you're and you grew or you you retracted very heavily um and it seems like the the medium-sized roasters did better than the the medium and small roasters did better than the large ones. I don't yeah, I exactly know why, but yeah, I don't know. That's interesting. Yeah, I know counterculture yeah. had a pretty huge dip in sales, and then we had a pretty massive growth, which is very strange. Right? Yeah, and we know. I know Intelligentsia here had a similar. Like they had a pretty big dip in sales, from what I could hear. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it, it, it's been it didn't help. They kind of did some things that made it worse, but you know, it, that's true. That's true. And how 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 has this experience uh, helped you guys sort of see how you want to move forward? You know, because uh, I you know I, I I know for myself, or I think for all of us, we would we we never expected this. You know, we know we saw these things in film. You could hear about them in sort of sci-fi, etc. But it it clearly was real and all of us were impacted even though like i i will I, i'll say that we have been fortunate enough to still be in business and and, and right. actually we grew which is really i'm really fortunate for that or we are all really fortunate for that but how how has this experience sort of shaped how you guys will sort of progress in the next three to five to ten years right Oh wow, three to five sounds. It's I'm I'm working on like right. I know, yeah, sorry. Moment, but yeah, <laughs> next month. <laughs> <laughs> next month, yeah, we're gonna do this. Right, you know, right. Um, yeah, I think it's it's definitely made us a little bit leery of 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 spending money in in the cafe arena. You know, yeah. Uh, it's kind of it kind of exposed some fragility in that retail market, mm-hmm. and um, you know, we've been more focused, significantly more focused on our online presence and in our uh, and on our website than we. Uh, than we were previously, um, and how to grow, how to grow organically through that whole thing, and that's I think that's going to be that's always been a little bit more my focus. I've, I've since the very beginning been very heavily heavily involved in wholesale, um, international logistics, kind of roasting that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. I've just been really head down, as Colin said earlier, a little head head down trying to make it all work. Yeah. Uh, so I think we're just going to keep focusing on that for right now and see, but be open but cautious. I think that's kind of open to new retail experiences, but pretty cautious as to like what the nightmare was of, uh, of 2020. Yeah. 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 I know we're about the, the this, this Friday, we, uh, the, the city of Chicago is, uh, lifting all capacity mm-hmm. limits and, uh, mask mandates. And so that'll be a really interesting thing to see play out and into how, you know, will businesses, see a lot of growth in the next couple of months or yeah well I, it's see it's all unknown yeah we have we have two cafes that are just kind of breaking even right now so we're trying to see what what happens with those you know mm-hmm. um we have pretty long leases still still on those places so it's kind of uh what do we do with that you know what do we, how do we how do we deal with that scenarios as well so it's, mm-hmm. it's tricky um 
because when the end goal of all businesses is to make money and to continue to make money. So we have to do this so that we can, uh, whether you think about it ethically as like a, to keep people employed or to, uh, or to pay off bills or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot of pressure too. Cause like we fold a cafe. That means we're taking, you know, you know, 10, 12 people's income down to zero, you know, pretty yeah. instantly. So, Mm-hmm. Yeah, we got how, super close. We're talking about uh, us, me and the general manager, the cafe manager guy, uh, Jake is his name, and we were chatting about that. Also from Alabama, but uh, we were talking about that too uh, today, like how close we got to folding uh, two of our stores. So hmm. it's always nice to hear those stories uh, after you're through it. <laughs> right. Yeah, I, yeah. I remember hearing from one of my one of my bosses years ago, told me like a couple years after the fact that they were like about he said they were about a thousand dollars away from having to to close everything down and it's like oh i'm glad that i still have the job that i've been working for the last yeah 20 yeah i guess early 2020 uh we opened a cafe in july we opened a cafe in november and then we opened the new roastery in december and january 2020 we were a few thousand dollars away as well from it all being over so or from needing we're needing needing more cash needing more capital mm-hmm. to keep going. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. Yeah. I assume we would have doubled down again and gone into more debt to make it all work, but that's not mm-hmm. a good feeling either. Yeah. No. Grateful you didn't have to make that decision at that time, huh? Man, that was, wow. I was sleepless nights, lots of phone calls between the, the three, uh, the three people uh, who, who have ownership stake in black and white, uh, mainly with our, our principal investor. His name is Darren. He kind of is an angel investor kind of dude who just, uh, is really great friends with Lim historically and uh, has come to be a friend of mine as well. So it was, man, it was hard times, scary stuff. But yeah. Um, good to be on the other side. We're good now. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Let's celebrate. <laughs> I'm all good. Everything's fine. Yeah. I'm glad. Thanks for sharing that, Kyle. I know like, I, I guess that wasn't a part of our questions, but I'm glad we sort of stumbled upon it because you know, we, I think we should be a little bit, not a little bit, we should be more transparent and more open about that experience. Um, you know, we, we probably like you guys are not a large company where we have right. this, you know, ton of surplus cash laying around for us to weather anything. So no, we, we really just, yeah. So then, you know, we, we need, uh, we need customers to support us because that's how we continue to keep our lights on. We keep the insurance paid. We keep, you know, the, the producers paid and, that's you know that's that's important to us and you know but we also understand that you know the public doesn't owe that to us so we're very grateful for the support that our local and sort of regional and national customers that coming through yeah like our online sales like we're just okay and then suddenly it's like wow we're shipping whatever two thousand bags a week and um you know and and it's not like that every week but it's it's sort of like there was an ebb and flow to that where you know, we, uh, we just thought, is this the fluke? Is this like, is this just yeah, like, yeah. when's this it like, going to come down? When's this going to yeah. stop? When's this going to be over? When are we gonna... Yeah. Yeah. yeah and, and just, you know, and so we're just sort of waiting for the other shoe to drop and thankfully it hasn't been the case, but I, I'd like to think that, uh, you know, I, I, from what I'm hearing is that we're not the only ones that that's, that have gone through that. And, but I'd like to think the reason why is, is just, how we're communicating to consumers the importance of not only quality but also fair price and i think you guys do an excellent job on that front and beyond that and and this is something that i think we have a lot to learn from here at metric is the educational aspect you know like like teaching people how to brew better coffee in fact we just started doing that recently like we have dominic on the our our briefs in the shop he's making these videos and we've we have never seen more engagement online with anything other than just how to brew a Chemex. For, and in fact, how to fold a filter. Like to me, it's just like, how do you fold a filter? That's really easy. It's like this, but there's so many people that still don't know, like there's like a better way or there's a different way. And, you know, we're, we're constantly, and I say we, like myself, constantly preaching to the same, you know, choir. Is that how you say it? You know, we're, we're yeah. preaching the same thing, but we're not really looking outside of ourselves. You know, like how do we put sort of like go back to the basics? We could still, you know, talk about quality and, and, and transparency in a way that uh, we're not dumbing anything down, but it's just 
introducing that plus education. And um, anyways, that's gone really well for us and we're really excited about that path. And you guys being educators and barista competitors, like how, yeah, uh, like how have you seen that be of value to your customers? Yeah, that's, I think that's a, like yourself, that's kind of an untapped resource that we haven't done. And I don't think we've done a very good job, uh, honestly, in, in, do, in utilizing. Um, I mean, Lim is probably one of the most charismatic educator, copy educators in the country. And um, that's something that we've been kind of working towards getting that, that thing going. It just, it, has, it just hasn't come as quickly as we'd hoped. To be honest, in, in my opinion, yeah. I would like to see more of it, more videos, more interactive stuff. We do a lot of, uh, we've done quite a few like interactive, uh, like Zoom meetings and stuff. Uh, Lim leads those so much better at than me. I lead like the green coffee one and it's usually really boring. Yeah. Uh, I'm, just, I'm a little yeah. bit more mechanical. Yeah. It leaves yeah. a little bit more vibes and, and, and like, it makes people feel really comfortable. Um, yeah, it's something I think we can do a better job of as a whole, is uh, bringing in the community and 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 communicating. You know, this is how we do can do this better. This is what yeah. this is why this is expensive. This is why we should pay more for coffee. This is why you shouldn't go get that six dollar five pound bag of Dunkin' Donuts or whatever. Yeah, um, yeah. Education is that it, it. It's like across the board, even outside of the coffee industry. Education is at the it's at the heart of you know the hope for improvement of anything. And it's like also the hardest thing to monetize and figure out how to invest your resources into, mm -hmm. you know, and if you're, if you're talking from a business perspective, it's like seeing the return on your investment and in, any in kind of educational pursuit can be a little tough sometimes compared to opening a cafe and seeing profits on that. But I, I think one thing that we're really trying to end on here is just for, for those who uh, are interested in like, opportunities to, to sort of gain experiences and uh, sourcing green coffee or just participating in this, like people who are, you know, maybe younger in their coffee career or prospectively looking to join the coffee industry, like what perspective can you give from your, from your position uh, on how to, to, to get experiences and in, in green coffee sourcing, how to go to origin? What? Right. Yeah. Um, we actually have a really interesting view of the origin visit concept which may Please. be interesting to share. Um, we don't do it very often on purpose, um, mostly because it's tough. It's, it's, it's a complex idea, right? And, and, and very often coffee buyers can be these like white saviorist people. I'm speaking for on my, on my own behalf, not on behalf of anyone else but you can kind of get this weird complex of like, I'm going to this place to save them from their squalor or whatever. We're going to give them a better life. Yeah. And I'm going to buy this coffee and they should, they should appreciate it. Or it's weird. Like not saying like, not saying that I've done that or about kind of witnessed people act this way. And I really hate it so much. And typically when we go to origin, we end up kind of putting these people out pretty heavily. Right. So like, mm -hmm. you know, we go and they'll, they'll make a meal for us and, you know, there'll be, you know, five or six of us there, they'll have, you know, they'll have killed and cooked a couple of chickens or two or three chickens. And there's all this fruit and all this stuff that they, they clearly don't get very often for themselves. And then we're just kind of coming and consuming it uh, and then leaving, you know, so it's, I'm really, I'm really back and forth on the whole like visit thing mm -hmm. um, because it's much more cost effective for them to send us samples and to talk Absolutely. with us on, uh, or for the importer, not even them, for the importer to send us samples via FedEx and us taste it in our own lab and, and, and have a better quality assessment of this coffee and then to give them feedback and to work from there. And then you visit um, occasionally to, to make, to further a relationship. Um, it's, it's a hard, it's a complex thing. So I'm very hesitant to just turn up you know, to, to a guy's farm or to a, a lady's farm or whatever, because I want to be careful that we're not there taking more from them than we're giving. If that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Try to be sensitive to that because I mean, I come from the South, the Southern part of the United States and, and hospitality is a huge part of, of, of my culture historically. And it's a huge part of in particular Colombian culture where I've traveled yeah. the most because it's the most simple. Mm -hmm. Um, and I've witnessed, and, and I know 
that people will give away in deep South will give away more than they have for themselves to be hospitable. And I, and I felt that way. I, I have felt that way a few times when I was in Columbia and I felt, I felt it shamed me because I was like this, this amazing human being is, you know, grinding and making coffee for us and making lunch for us and doing this whole thing and clearly going above and beyond for us. And I don't have a way uh, to repay. And it, it is not, it's not the point of hospitality is not to be repaid, but, but it's, it's tough. I, I'm conflicted uh, by it all. So yeah, you, um, you can't take it lightly. It's not a simple right. trip to just pop in there. Right. Yeah. And we're not yeah. tourists. We need to, we need to make sure that we are not only being tourists, but we're being, you know, financial parts of these people's lives. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. It's it's hard. I, yeah. Yeah. We, we, we have is, the conversations here too. It's, it's kind of like, how do we minimize the burden that we're putting on people when we visit? It's like, right. a, and I, that was like my first couple trips that I was able to take were very much, I was, you know, taking uh, definitely some of the, the, some on the farmers, more on like exporters that were touring yeah. us around and just yeah, kind of really, like, I'm not as worried about them. They're making rolling out the red yeah. carpet. Yeah, yeah. No, totally. But still like that, that idea of somebody, I, I just don't want to give anybody the impression that, uh, with with the with the farmers you experience like an, that honest like say coming from the south i understand it that hospitality culture that it is very life-giving to them to to host people but like you don't want to take advantage of it and then i also don't want to give the impression that we're like that's a part of i don't want to be i don't want them to feel like they have to treat me nicely so yeah. that we'll buy the pro quo kind of concept. Like you have to do this so i'll buy your coffee from you or whatever right it's, yeah and it's so easy to have it go that direction it's feels, bad feels feeling bad. Feels yes. bad for me. yeah but you know on, on the other hand i'd like to i'd like to say this that i i agree with the both of you but um in my experience our visits um really i, I can't I, I can't i'm not going to use a broad you know like like it, it is like this for every producer that we visit, but for the most part, the visits signify um, not only relationship, but it's it's for them. They're a lot of them go through the anxiety of not knowing who is buying their coffee, oh, yeah. and so the ones I've spoken to, like um, for example, when I visit Honduras, a lot of times you know they're through WhatsApp. It's like, are you coming to see me? Are you coming to see me? You know, like this year, of course, it wasn't possible, and you know they're they're getting really anxious because the uh, my visit generally signifies that we're yeah. coming to Security. not only connect but also it reassures them that um that our intentions are to purchase their coffee which is you know like for them it's sort of it's a big relief you know so that that that's generally the way i think about those visits is that it's a kind of a it's a pilgrimage to go back to a place yeah. where um, you know, a, a community, certain members within the community we buy coffee from and our presence, um, you know, I, I, it's definitely, I don't think I, I, I'm not special at all. <laughs> you know, like this, my visit is not special. I don't need any red carpet, but I understand like, you know, when you were talking about Southern hospitality, like, you know, people feel good to treat others, you know, like it really makes them feel better. So that that's just one way to look at it. But I totally hear what you guys are saying. Um, you know, and I, I, for me, maybe it's just like, I don't know, like maybe, um, uh, you make a valid point. I think, I think yeah. I, sometimes I, I can get kind of wrapped up in the, in my own guilt and I, I you know, yeah, it's, it's a new, it's a nuanced thing. And it's all these things that we're talking about. It's, it's, it's beauty, uh, mixed with some, some other stuff as well. So, I mean, mm-hmm. some of those well, vibrant I, times I've had in our, at origin were around the table. And there, yeah. there's a there's a part of that. Sharing a meal together is is a weird way that humans connect. Uh, yes. Sharing a cup of coffee together is a weird way that we connect. And that's how her whole businesses are built around this sharing together concept. So mm-hmm. yeah, I just want to make sure that I'm not. Uh, it's like uh, it's like the it's like hiking. You know, everything you take in, bring back with you, kind of thing. Yeah. Like yeah. like don't leave trash. Don't don't trash the place when you're there. So that's I guess that's more of my my worry sometimes is that uh you know people who look like me have historically done so much yeah harm, uh and i don't want to perpetuate mm. that same concept yeah still, right you know? well, it takes I, a bit of an overcorrection to, yeah. to do a better job 
Mm-hmm. And it's I, I'm really I'm really pleased to you know hear your perspective, Kyle, because I I don't I personally have not met a lot of people in your role that feel that way, or per- perhaps they do, but they're not as open to expressing that, like expressing their like that they acknowledge their privilege, you know, like and that um, you know that that is important to me on a personal level. So I appreciate you you sharing that. Um, but I. I happen, you know, I'm, I was born here in Chicago, but I grew up in Puerto Rico, so native Spanish speaker. I speak uh, clearly. Well, sometimes I speak English. I don't know. Sometimes it's not very good. But regardless, you know, like having a connection with Spanish, the Spanish speaking producers, um, I, I, I'm fortunate to have that connection because it, 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 I am able to fully express why this means a lot to me. And I would say that regardless of your knowledge in the language, I think that you could still find ways to let them know. And I can assure you that no matter who it is you're working with, they'll they'll deeply, deeply appreciate it. They'll they'll show you all the gratitude in the world. And I I hope that, you know, as, as you sort of like continue to reconcile your feelings, that you'll consider that on your next visit because it's it it really it really puts a lot of their fears and a lot of the anxiety away when they see you. So just something to consider. It's it's beautiful. Yeah. It's helpful for me for sure. Yeah. Well, uh, thank you again, Kyle. Before we go, um, how can people get in touch with you if they would like to ask you any questions? Yeah, I'm pretty active on Instagram. So I'm pretty decent at Instagram messages. Uh, I'm better at responding to the ones that actually come to me. So at, at Kyle underscore rampage on Instagram, I'm better at responding to those than I am the ones that come through the black and white portal just because there's so many, I mean, we might get 60 messages a day. So it kind of gets mm-hmm. a lot. Yeah. Um, or uh, if you want to shoot me an email, Kyle at black, I'm happy to entertain conversation about coffee processing. Uh, what I really enjoy chatting about these days. If you want to talk about coffee mm-hmm. grinders, we can, I know a good bit about those too. Yes, uh, or do. if you have questions about loring's, like I, we're one of the weird loring people, so yeah. happy to chat about that as well. Yeah. Might send somebody your way soon. Sounds good. Yeah, or yeah, instant yeah. coffee. If you want to talk about how to make your own instant coffee, we can do that as well. It's pretty pretty fun. I might have to hit you up on that. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of cool. All right, everybody, hit up Kyle for all the facts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we love to. I love to share information. That's kind of been part of my thing the whole time. Is that I want. I don't think that anything we're doing is very different than anything anyone else is doing. So I'll happily share with you anything that we're doing that may be uh, quote unquote proprietary because I don't view it as proprietary. So yeah. Well, the world loves that. more people like you. Yeah, I know. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, whatever. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> another, again, another, another whole podcast for another day. Yes, yeah, exactly. yeah. 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 Uh, all right. Well, we're going to get out of here, but awesome. yeah, thanks again and hope to see you around some event soon or yeah. anytime New you're Orleans, in Chicago. September, right? Yeah. We'll be in New Orleans. I I'll might be, be. We'll probably be. Who knows? I'm saying it confidently, yeah, but I'll, I'll, I'll probably be there. Yeah, let's I have just, not booked yeah. a hotel, so I may not be there. But <laughs> yeah. if some of our uh, some of our very kind sponsors may want to take me there, I will probably. Ooh, be there. Yeah. All right. Very good. All right. <laughs> All right. Cheers, guys. All right. Cheers. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you.